I came home one day from school and um, I walked in the house <laughs> and there was like no TVs in the house. And you know, I'm like, what is going on? And my dad was sitting at the table and he was crying. At this point, my two younger brothers, like I bathed them, I changed their diaper. Like I was a six year old little mom, you know? Mm -hmm. He said, I need you to get your stuff together because you have to go to grandma and grandpa's. I said, I'll pack, you know, Nick and Greg stuff. And he said, no, 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 they're not, they're not going with you. They're going with me. And um, I didn't see them for like 10 years. And when I went back five years ago, they only lived 10 minutes away. I found out later that the reason I couldn't go was because my mom threatened to have my dad arrested for kidnapping and uh, because he wasn't my biological father. So that was like, like I felt like nobody wanted me. Welcome to the Hell Has an Exit podcast with host Teddy Tarantino. New episodes every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Don't forget to subscribe. All right, welcome to Hell Has an Exit. And today I have Melissa. What's your last initial now? P. Melissa P, awesome. <laughs> Recently married. Four years anniversary coming up. Yeah. Congratulations. Marriage anniversary. Marriage, yeah. Marriage yeah. anniversary. You have 11 years clean. I will in March. Oh, you celebrate March too? March, March 14th. Well, on March 23rd. Yeah. So you have it 11? Yep. Damn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. So I think when I got clean, you had more clean time than me. Or yes. maybe like around the same. Like, maybe you had maybe more. Maybe a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It took me 25 years. Wow. To get 11. When did you first start going to meetings? Um, I was court ordered when I was 16 mm -hmm. to go to meetings. Wow. And um, it definitely wasn't for me. I had no mm -hmm. capacity. I didn't think I had a drug problem. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, oh, I can stop whenever I want. Mm -hmm. The problem was I never wanted to stop, yeah. you know, so. Yeah, I heard a speaker say is like when you're using... When you want to stop, or when you can stop, you don't want to, and when you don't want to, you, or when you want to, you can't. Correct. Mm. Okay, so you're one of the few people who have known me since probably day one. Day one. Yeah, that's crazy. You were insane. <laughs> yeah, I was really crazy, huh? <laughs> you were young, and you know, a lot of people don't think the young people will get it, like mm -hmm. they won't stay, or they use their own story. Like, I never judged you. I was like, I was rooting for you. Mm -hmm. Definitely rooting for you, you know? And um, your first year medallion was so instrumental in my desire mm -hmm. to keep coming back. You know, I was like, oh, I can do this. But I didn't. I didn't. So You would accumulate months and years clean, though. I accumulated months. But um, I think I think how many times did you get over a year? Once. Once, wow. I had, um, the longest I had was two years. Mm -hmm. And then I got married. First husband, mm -hmm. who you know. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, <laughs> we went on our honeymoon. And uh, I went there with like five grand in cash. I never left the room. Never left the room. And I got high the whole weekend. I think I remember that. Uh -huh. I remember like you had been clean. You guys went on honeymoon and relapsed. But I didn't tell anybody for like a year. Mm. And uh, my best friend, I think you know her mm -hmm. as well. Um, I guess my ex-husband had told her that I used it. She never said anything. Mm -hmm. 
and we were at a meeting and this woman was sharing about how she relapsed and didn't tell anybody. Mm. And my best friend starts rubbing my back. And at that moment, I knew she fucking knew. Mm -hmm. And I raised my hand. I picked up a white key tag. But at that point, I had almost a year clean. Again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I've been clean since because. Oh, wow. When you have a couple months clean and you pick up a white key tag, it's no big deal, right? Mm -hmm. But when you have a couple years clean, you're like, it's like a hard mm -hmm. key tag to pick up. And um, like I didn't celebrate medallions until my third year medallion because it, uh, I have a warped brain and I'm like, well, those don't count mm -hmm. until I surpass the time that I had. Mm -hmm. So um, when I had three years, I picked up a medallion mm -hmm. and... Um, I started my journey and it wasn't easy and I wasn't very good at this. You know, <laughs> I did not want to take direction. I would go into the, I don't want to name a location. I would go into the meetings. I mean, back then I was, had, you know, I had a good figure mm -hmm. and I thought I looked really good to be somebody who was smoking crack. I really thought nobody knew, you know, and to be honest, I think my first two years in recovery, I had a neck twitch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like my head would go like, this I still do that for, for like two years, and like I would go to meetings in like stilettos and mm -hmm. jeans and half shirts, you know. And I would purposely wait for the meeting to be like ten minutes in before I walked in the door mm -hmm. because I wanted that attention. You know, drug dealers don't pay that much attention except for when they want certain things. Mm -hmm. And um, I I didn't know any better. You know, and any attention, good, bad, and different, was good for me. You know, and um, it's so funny because I fast forward like through my recovery, and now I see these girls that come in, mm -hmm. and like they're dressing that way, and you know, like there's a loving way to pull them to the side and be like, you know, you have more value than that. And they're like, my sponsor gave me this shirt. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, um, I can't even tell you the gratitude I have for where I'm at because I was insane. Yeah. You're somebody that, uh, like, when I got clean, you're always, like, so nice to me. I, like, you always, like, encourage me and all this stuff. And, like, even over the years, like, um, it's just different when you've known someone, like, since you've been clean, you know. But, like, for years, I remember it was just, like, insanity and craziness and um it's cool that we're both clean now yeah i uh because there's not that many people that you know we know from back then i know there's a lot of people who are dead from back then mm -hmm. and i remember like one of my first meetings this girl i mean there was somebody that picked up like 20 years and it mm -hmm. was like whatever but the girl that I had been talking to before the meeting she was in halfway and she picked up a six-month key tag and like it blew my mind, you know, like I was like, oh, my God. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was amazing because it was a it was a realistic goal. Yeah. 20 years was not realistic mm -hmm. to me. And I didn't believe that anybody, you know, I'm like, like there's a, a guy in the rooms who's got like 65 years clean. His clean dates Valentine's mm -hmm. Day, right? <laughs> I'm like, bro, do you even remember doing drugs at this mm -hmm. point? Like, he, and I guess back then it, it like. You know, it was like prohibition yeah. days. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was so long ago. And he was like, absolutely. You know? Yeah, it was almost like it was more inspiring to see someone with like a realistic clean time than someone with years. Like it, when someone said years with an S, 
I couldn't even think of the number. Like it did. It all was like fairy tale, like impossible. And then because they were like a lot older, I'd be like, well, maybe you just like did so much drugs that like you just don't want to do drugs anymore. Now this is just like your social life. But to see somebody who is like around your age to have like seven, eight months clean, you know that it's still like they could be doing drugs and having fun. And when you see them with a couple months clean, it's almost like I could see myself having six months maybe. Yeah. You know what? Um, I was talking to someone the other day. So like when I first got clean, this guy, Steve, that, you know, he uh, GTI Steve, he had like a little GTI. And I remember, I think he had like a year or two years, but to me, he was like a god. Question, was that my ex-husband's friend? Yeah. Okay, now I know who you're talking about. And um, I remember he was like, even like your ex-husband, he was one of the people that encouraged me and like would bring me around to meetings or whatever. And uh, I remember he took me to the, I remember he took me to the beach and he was like me and -and so-and-so and it was like a couple other girls, um, Jenny, uh, and like a couple other people from back then. I remember like. I still speak to her. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's cool. She's got like 16 years. Yeah, now. we and her are like the same amount of clean time. Mm-hmm. I remember like it was me, Steve, and like a couple girls and we were at the beach. And I just never forget like I couldn't remember the last time I did something that wasn't like, yo, can you take me? I'll give you $10. You know, like <laughs> I've never had someone pick me up for free in a long time. You know, and till this day, like those little acts of kindness, like I still think about. You know, I think, and and the people you're mentioning, including my ex-husband, mm-hmm. they struggled staying clean. Mm-hmm. They still went to meetings, mm-hmm. you know, but then after the meeting, they go get high. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you were like, sorry, it's kind of, <laughs> mm-hmm. you were the person we rooted for because so many people wished. Mm-hmm that they could have done it, you know? And like my reputation in for many years of my recovery was abrasive, was mm-hmm. mean, was she will knock you the fuck out. <laughs> and like that persona was not, it was cultivated over years. Mm. You know, as a kid, I my grandfather my grandparents had me for until I was uh until I was 9 and um thank God for those people. It's the only reason I have morals and values and um you know, my grandfather was a minister and he never forced any type of religion on mm-hmm. me. And um that was cool, you know. And the only trouble I ever got in as a younger kid (laughs) was my best friend at the time we had to go to sunday school every week and i was Mm -hmm. so pissed off because all my friends wore jeans to like church and and i had to wear these fucking dresses with Mm -hmm. flowers and you know and uh we decided we were gonna skip confirmation class and Mm -hmm. we hung out in the cemetery my backyard was a cemetery Mm -hmm. you know and i that was cool right to me because i would like visit gravestones just to just to do it Mm -hmm. and um it was the one Sunday that my grandfather had a substitute minister because he was teaching the confirmation class. So after church, you know, I'm home, we're eating lunch, and my grandfather says, so how was class today? 
And I was like, oh, it was great. And I had a whole friggin' story mm -hmm. detailed. He's like, you're grounded. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and like, you know, people, what they do know of me is what I, I want them to know. Mm -hmm. Or even the parts of me that weren't true. And um, like a lot of people don't know, I, I played the piano. I played the cello. I was a ballet dancer. Really? I wrote Where did you grow up? In upstate New York. Upstate, like what area? Like Schenectady, which is outside of Albany. Oh, wow. Yeah. And um, I don't I've, even know where that is because I went to Oswego like a couple months ago. It, it, it's, it's like beautiful, there, right? mm -hmm. you know, and. Um, Wait, you rode horses too? I did in shows. And uh, I had like, I got ribbons. For some reason in my mind, you're just like from the Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> everybody thinks that you know yeah. i mean i i did live in the city but not for a long time mm -hmm. and um it's funny because i visited upstate new york um like five or six years ago and i went to the church you know because it was right across the street from where i kept my horses mm -hmm. and it was so overwhelmingly emotional both my grandparents had passed you know and my grandma was a school teacher and she was only like four foot six and my grandfather was like six one they were married 63 years and they still held hands it was kind of like ugh. Mm -hmm. you know at that point you're like and they still held hands and um you know i didn't know the nature of what was going on with my mother back then you know i just knew that you know i lived with my grandparents and i struggled with that i felt abandoned and i remember being in second grade and having to talk to the school psychiatrist and i remember coloring pictures and um i would hear songs you know this was back i was born in 79 so I did like 84 85 and i would cry you know um but like what was going on with your mom just an addict. Just using? Yeah, you know, and I have three younger brothers. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember distinctly, like, early, early childhood memories. I was attacked by a dog when I was, like, five. I think and, I remember you sharing this. And, and I remember this dog, and there were other kids. The owner's kids were playing with the dog. And I remember thinking the doggy's smiling at me. Ended up ripping my eyelid off, my face, like, and um, and it was summer, and like back then they had these like box Chevys with leather seats, and I remember the woman who scooped me up and threw me in the car. The seats were burning me, my face was apart, and found out later it was a canine dog, mm. and because of whatever my mom was doing in the house, like it it probably sensed it or smelled it. And it was a horrible experience. Wait, was this like a police dog? Yeah, canine so, dog. But at home. Like back then, they didn't have the rules. But wait, was was like the cops coming into your mom's house? No, we lived in a community, and the dog was outside on his leash. Wow. You know? And it was the cops' kids that were playing with the dog. And um. Oh, so you think that the drugs of inside your house probably was on you and mm -hmm. it agitated the dog? Like, I didn't know... That weed was not normal. You know, that smell, I, it always smelled like that. You know, of course, they said it was cigarettes, mm -hmm. you know. But uh, I got sent to my grandparents. I came home one day from school. And um, I walked in the house. <laughs> and there was, like, no TVs in the house. And, you know, I'm like, what is going on? Mm -hmm. And my dad was sitting at the table. And he was crying. 
And um, at this point, my two younger brothers, like I bathed them. I changed their diaper. Like I was a six-year-old little mom, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, he said, I need you to get your stuff together because you have to go to grandma and grandpa's. And I was like, okay. I said, I'll pack, you know, Nick and Greg's stuff. And he said, no, no, no. They're not, they're not going with you. They're going with me. And um, I didn't see them for like 10 years. And when I went back five years ago, they only lived 10 minutes away. And I didn't know. And um, I found out later that the reason I couldn't go was because my mom threatened to have my dad arrested for kidnapping and uh, because he wasn't my biological father. So that was like, like, I felt like nobody wanted me. So like my grandparents did everything they could to, you know, make me happy, you mm-hmm. know, and um, everything was did great. Did you ask to see your brothers and what would they say? Um, you know, it was like, oh, well, we can't get over there. They don't have time. Like I, they didn't really explain to a point where I understood. I just knew that I really thought they lived far away. And that was why, you Mm -hmm. know, I saw them like once or twice, (laughs) but that was it. And like, I had such a good childhood. Like the horses were, you know, my thing and, um, I, I had a good childhood and um, at the age of eight, my whole world stopped. You know, my mom showed up and like, it's weird. It's like as a kid, but now this is why I know how my niece feels. After all the mm-hmm. stories I'd heard, she popped up one day and uh, in a limousine with this Colombian guy. And I was like, I, I thought he was the limo driver. <laughs> And um, regardless of how great I had it, like I couldn't, I was so happy to see my mom, you know? And um, she's like, yeah, you want to come with me? Because she lived in the city. And my grandparents, I remember them being very um, standoffish about it. And I went. And um, I, uh, I got molested that night by. That night? when I went to my mom's house and um I woke up and it was going on and um my mom I I I remember waiting until my mom went into the bathroom and I told her what happened like straight up hey and she you know my family's Italian and she was screaming I'm gonna fucking kill him And the next morning, I woke up, and she was sleeping with him on the couch. And when I went home, everything had changed. Didn't want to ride horses. Didn't want to leave my room. My grandfather used to wash my hair and blow. But I didn't want to tell anybody what happened because I felt like I had done something fucked up, like, you know. And um, here I am. I'm almost 45 years old, and that situation still affects certain areas of my life today. Mm -hmm. Don't touch me in my sleep. Don't, you know, I still have nightmares. It's fucking crazy. And, um, and, uh, I had this 
friend of mine in school. Now, mind you, school was really fucking rough for me because I still had really bad scars from that dog attack. Okay, so the dog attack, I need to know more about it. So, I told people in the rooms that that attack was the catalyst for my health situation now mm -hmm. because I didn't want to tell people how I really mm -hmm. encountered that. My dog attack had nothing to do with my life. My dog attack was a story I told in the rooms because I didn't want anybody to know how I really contracted HIV. Um, I told people I had a transfusion from the dog attack because I could not bring myself to tell people how. So my youngest brother is the son of the man that molested me, and he has no idea, you know? What's the purpose? There's no, there's no reason. Mm -hmm. But um, I actually contracted my illness at the age of 10. So after this happened, I had told somebody at school, this girl, I wrote it in a note. I don't know if you remember the notes, but well, you're young. But they were stupid notes like and you ones. fold them in like fucking mm -hmm. arrows and shit. And I gave it to her and I told her exactly what happened. Mind you, my grandmother's a school teacher at my school and I came back from recess and um, my teacher said, hey, can I speak to you for a minute? And I'm like, sure, about what? And she pulled the note out of her pocket. And I remember feeling so sick to my stomach. And I'm like, please don't tell my grandmother, but she obviously mm -hmm. she already had. And so like we had this fucking sit down, mm -hmm. right? Every my grandfather, I and he, you know, he didn't ask me what happened. He asked me, why would you say this? And that simple question, I learned how to lie to make things go away real quick. Mm -hmm. I, I, I was very intelligent to be young. Like I started reading at two, like, you know, I could speak at 10 once, like, you know, still talking, you know, <laughs> and, um, and I said, you know, I, I just wanted want me to come get me and uh but the and it just went away because even my grandparents were like let's not publicly tell people our shit you know they want to keep their appearance they're the church people but like they had to know what my mom was doing and and that's how i ended up getting sent back to her i had such a temper i was so angry you know i i, I was known to be an angry person clean but I was so angry and my grandfather wouldn't let me go see my mom. And even after all of this, I still wanted to see my mom. And um, I told him, I hope you die of a heart attack. Hmm. And I remember him just welling up. And the next day I was on a Greyhound bus. And at that point, my life just spiraled into shit. Mind you, I grew up in a house bigger than this like 25 rooms, like, you know, and not that I was spoiled, you know, but like I lived in a house, we had a housekeeper, but my grandmother would have me help her clean the house before the housekeeper came <laughs> because she didn't want him to think we were messy. And yeah, like, I never understood that. Either. You know, but now I get it. When yeah. my housekeeper comes, I clean up, <laughs> you know, and um, I went from that to this one bedroom apartment that my mom had. And I remember everything was fucking painted pink and had rats had mice mm -hmm. listen i'm not scared of much <laughs> but to this day mice if i saw like they freaked me out mm -hmm. right and um my mom 
went out and left me home by myself. And she came back and she was bawling her eyes out. And I'm like, you know, my mom wasn't a crier. And uh, she told me that she had just got popped by the feds for a conspiracy charge with certain group of people. Mm -hmm. But they let her, they knew I was upstairs and they, she had to turn herself in the next day. And uh, that's how I got here in Florida. My mom said, you got to go to Florida. You got to stay with my friend until I can get down there. And uh, she didn't make it down for almost a year. And um, I came from a very proper household, you know, please, thank you. I'm not, I wasn't used to being around other kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, she had me stay with her friend and her husband and her children. And like one snored and one was rude. And it just was like, (laughs) I couldn't handle it. And I'm like, I don't like that. Like I was kind of bougie, Mm -hmm. but not not in a like show off way, just kind of like a raised up way, you know? This is uncomfortable. Yeah. And, um, And they were doing construction on their house. And she was a Hispanic lady, you know, and her husband was Italian. So I was like, okay. And um, all of a sudden, I don't know if it was because I used to argue with these kids or I was very judgmental. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you know. And um, one day she's like, listen, you have to stay at my brother's house because, you know, we it's too crowded here. And, and I said, okay. And her brother was the Colombian guy. The same guy? And I ended up having to live with him for almost a year. So at this point, I'm like 10. All I can say was a nightmare, you know? And what's the point of saying something? Nobody believed me the first time, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, my mom <coughs> made it down here, and ironically, he went to prison for selling drugs, you know? Um, it's kind of like statistical, but it's kind of facts. Mm-hmm. People from certain places just do what they do, mm-hmm. you know? It's like I'm Italian and people are like, oh, is your dad a mobster? Like, like you know. Mm-hmm. But um, oh, my feet are asleep, sorry. It's okay. And uh, he went to prison, so I was like, I felt like I'd be okay. And then my mom, you know... <laughs> It was, I knew she, at this point, I knew she was doing drugs because Mm. she had dealers in the house. And, you know, this guy was always taking her car. And, you know, it was crazy. And um, she got to the point where, like, she had to have that next one. And she sold jewelry. She sold the car. She sold everything. And I was the only thing she had left. So at 10... My mom sold me to multiple drug dealers. And, um, you know, a lot of kids start off smoking weed. And, you know, I've never smoked pot. Cocaine was my gateway drug, Mm -hmm. you know. And she got me high for the first time at, like, almost 11. And, you know, she was nice when she was high. What do you think that her reason was? So that I... My belief join her. is so that I would be addicted enough to the drug that I would jones for it and I'd be more willing to do what she asked me to do to get her high. 
Make sense? Mm-hmm. And um, so I started doing drugs because, you know, and a lot of people say, oh, I did drugs to numb myself. Anybody that smoked crack or does cocaine, it enhances what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. It does not, you know, go the other way. And um, I started getting really skinny. It started, my hair was falling out and I didn't know what was wrong. <clears throat> and um, I had to go to the doctor for something else. I had a cough, a really bad cough. And she didn't take me to the doctor. My neighbor did. Hmm. And at this point, like I was doing cocaine all the time. It was easily accessible. I was high. And I remember getting all these tests, whatever. And the lady from the health department called me. And she's like, I need to speak with your mother. And I'm like, good luck. You know, and we we ended up going there. And the woman told me that I had tested positive for an STD. And I remember thinking, oh, good, you know. And in the same breath, she said, and you're HIV positive. Now. <laughs> How old were you? 11. Wow. And back then, the movie with Tom Hanks, Philadelphia, had just come out. Mm-hmm. So that was my perception of what was going to happen. Shit was going to grow up my face. And um, my mother was so awful. Like, my I, my youngest brother, you know, he, he could live in the house. And um, I had to live outside on the, they call it a Florida room. It's a fucking porch mm-hmm. on a mattress. And um, where that was, like, was on the street where my, like, the kids would walk to school. And I remember her telling these kids don't talk to her she'll spit on you like it was awful what what did the nurse and doctor say didn't they like oh i never went back she never took me back but wouldn't they call like child services or something you would think but my mom my mom processed fingerprints for the government Mm -hmm. so she had you know she put on her game face like Mm -hmm. if i smoke crack you're not you know i'm smoking crack she hit it very well and um, I left. I left home. I just ran away, and I went to Fort Lauderdale Beach because I had heard people in the juvenile detention center because I had already started getting arrested for shit. Um, and I went to Fort Lauderdale Beach, and I lived on the beach. And mm-hmm. um, you would be amazed at how many grown men will pay for a child, and that's what I learned how to do. Wow. So where my journey started and i just used until i i used because my hope was that the drugs would kill me before aids would Mm -hmm. that was my thing obviously it didn't because i'm here (laughs) i mean today i have as many t-cells as you do you know i've been undetectable for almost 30 years i fight with my doctor all the time i'm like why do i have to get a checkup nothing's changed Mm -hmm. in 30 years like leave me alone but um I'm great. I'm healthy, you know. But the anger behind that came into my recovery. Like, you know me. But I was nice to you. Yeah. But, like, I fought in meetings. Mm-hmm. I was real quick to throw hands. I learned how to defend myself at a young age. But I was, I would, like, I carried a razor blade in my mouth for, I don't know, like, my mm-hmm. first four years of recovery. <laughs> and, um. Today, I'm not that person. Today, since I've been 
out of the rooms for a few months. I needed some time for me. I had to walk away because of a situation and I I was done. I was like, this shit is not for me. I mean, it's been over a decade. I'm probably mm-hmm. not even really an addict. Mm-hmm. I, I Listen, I really thought if I was an addict, you know, I would crave drugs. But I don't. And that's mm-hmm. the one thing in my recovery. Giving up the drugs was the easiest part of my recovery. It, it was hard for me. Mm-hmm. I had gotten pregnant. And that's what brought me back to the rooms. Because they took my daughter. They took my daughter. What What was life like before you got clean? Like those last couple of years that led up to you thinking like, okay, I've been to meetings a whole bunch of times because you said you got introduced to it at 16. But like what was going on in your life where you were like, fuck, I really got to try now. And they told me if I didn't get clean and stay clean, um, I was going to lose my parental rights. And I ended up losing them anyway because I couldn't get the year. Mm. And... um. That was, that was my goal. Like I had nothing to do with me. When I decided to get clean is when I had a couple of years because I got a support group. I had friends, you know. I had people that would hug me. I, I really wasn't hugged a lot, you know. Um, and getting hugged by somebody I didn't know, especially like I gravitated towards like the older women. You remember my first sponsor. Mm-hmm. She talked like this. <laughs> I fucking loved her. She was a biker. And she called me out on my shit. Like, I always gravitated towards sponsors that were older women. Like, my sponsor now, she's like a second chance at having a mother. Mm. I I don't know where I'd be in my recovery without her. And um, I, I just did it. Like, I prayed about Like, I just did it through, no matter how I felt. But I... I made people aware, don't fuck with me. Don't come near me. Just leave me the fuck alone. Like, I had to make my presence known. I would meet somebody and be like, yeah, like, I will hurt you if you fuck me over. Like, <laughs> I I was. I was that person. And, um, you know, I'm a big believer in karma. I'm a big believer in energy. I'm not religious, but I'm super spiritual. And I believe in energy frequencies and like I really got involved in the last like eight months mm-hmm. in that. And um, I watched this thing and it said like before we're born, we choose our parents and we choose what lessons we want to learn in this life. But we don't get to choose how we learn it. Mm-hmm. And if we don't learn the lesson, we will repeat it. And like as angry as I was with the situation with the sponsees that like really dicked me over it was such a lesson. It was a lesson in how, because I played a part. Like, I I played a part. You know, I tried to control, manage, fix, mm. you know. And um, I treated my sponsees like shit, like little soldiers. If you don't do what I say, I'm not sponsoring you. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it taught me to take a look at my belief system and how to, it was almost like I was trying to raise my daughter again and again mm-hmm. and again. And my sponsor finally said to me, she's like, describe your sponsees to me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, they're fucking nuts. She's like, no, physically. I'm like, what do you mean? 
I'm like, I don't know, skinny, you know. She's like, so I guess you missed the fact that they're all brunette. They all have dark eyes. They're all pretty. And they're all broken and damaged. She's like, stop trying to save them and start saving that version of yourself. Mm. And that's where the healing began for me. And like I've healed from those things and it's about forgiveness and I can't change the past and I can't change people, but I can change how I respond to things. And so like today I'm wearing a black shirt, but I've been trying to wear like pink and purple <laughs> and shit. And people are like, are you feeling okay? Yeah. And um, I made it a point to be approachable. Now I'm still not sponsoring women and I'm not going to for a while. Uh, <laughs> I'm not there, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I met my husband in the rooms, my second husband. <laughs> um, and like, that was a struggle for me. You know, people, you know, usually spend years with somebody, then get married. I moved in in March. How long did you guys know each other before? Like six months. Well, well he knew me, but I didn't <clears throat> know him. How long did you guys date before you moved in? A month. A month? Oh, yeah, uh, I did it. I did it. With with like seven years clean, I think at the time, or yeah, yeah. no six, I think whatever. Moved in in March. We we went on our first date in February. Mm -hmm. I remember that. And um, I moved in in March. We got married in June. Wow. <laughs> uh, June twenty twenty. What was it about him that was like the connection? He, <laughs> in the beginning, he's super tall. I've always dated people my size, right? I'm five, two and a half. So like I always had somebody that was like an inch taller. And he gave me a hug one day and it was like the most amazing hug ever. Mm -hmm. And like he, he was funny and he was calm. And How long like, has he been clean? Um, five years. Mm -hmm. Five years. And um, I was like, oh, this is great. I'm so in love. Mm -hmm. And we got married June 7th of 2020. Did people think it was going to work out? Oh, of course not. My sponsor was like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, it's fine. And uh, two weeks after we got married, we got locked down on COVID. Mm. And it went to, oh, my God, I'm so in love to, you know, like, why the fuck are you breathing so loud? Like, it was <laughs> rough. And, like, I've been in relationships where, you know, money, property, prestige. Like, I didn't have to worry about things and you know, my husband is very, like, down to earth. He works, like, a, a regular, like, hard worker, physical job, like, white, white collar, blue collar. Mm, blue collar. Blue collar, right? And um, I'm kind of sick in my mind, right? So as calm and quiet as he is, I heard him speak, and he told me how he did 25 years in prison for shooting somebody four mm -hmm. times. And that, <laughs> that yeah. was what attracted me. I was like tell me more mm -hmm. you know but if you met him you would never know mm -hmm. and like he had a justifiable reason in my head you know <laughs> his stepfather beat his mother damn near broke mm -hmm. her neck she's been on fentanyl patches she's now 79 since then and my husband shot him you know except it wasn't that day mm -hmm. so <laughs> you know and um he went to a treatment center and um they told him hey you need to go to a meeting and he went to the meeting and I was the first speaker that he heard. Mm -hmm. So on our first date, I'm very transparent, you know, because I don't want to do to somebody what happened to me, even though it's very difficult. Mm -hmm. I actually can't transmit the disease. So 
at you know um but I, I sat him down I'm like listen I need to tell you something if you don't want this I I'm totally okay with it you know so I told him my status and he's like oh I know that he's like I heard you speak mm-hmm. I'm like you could have like stopped the conversation an hour ago, and you so know? <laughs> and I'm um, like, it's good. It's good. I'm, I wasn't a good wife. I didn't know how to be a wife. Like, you know, he would text me, Hey, where are you at? And I'm why do I need to tell you where I'm at? Like, and like, uh, he's a big part of my change, you know? And it's funny. Like I have a hard time being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. It's like my biggest fear in life, not getting killed, not getting high. Mm-hmm is that somebody will think that I am too vulnerable or weak and will walk all over me. And so I couldn't be nice. Like I couldn't be soft. Mm-hmm. And um, my, I, I, I took a chance on it. And I told my sponsor, I'm like, she's like, just be vulnerable. Be kind. Smile when you meet a newcomer. Don't intimidate them. <laughs> Stop fucking fist fighting men mm-hmm. because you feel that's more of a challenge than women. And she's like, just be I'm like, what if somebody thinks I'm weak? Mm-hmm. She's like, let them think what they want. I said, what if somebody gets in my face? She's like, well, you know, at that point, if somebody puts their hands on you, have at it, mm-hmm. you know, but nobody's put their hands on me. Nobody's judged me for being nice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's so many parts of my story. There's not enough time in the world to go through it. But the anger and the rage that I had was so bad. So bad. So painful. And to be honest, my recovery has been harder than my using at points. Mm. You know, um, I've been put myself in a lot of situations and uh, when my grandparents passed, my grandfather passed first and my mom had already died, which was awkward because there's a lot of guilt clean. No matter what that woman did, no matter what she did, I felt horrible when she died. Wow. And I felt guilty. I'm like, my head told me that I was sick. Like, why would I care? And like before she died, she wanted to swim with dolphins. She knew she was dying. Um, she actually got fat from like shooting dope and mm-hmm. just laying in her house. And so she got some guy to pay for a gastric bypass. And this was like 15 years ago. So it wasn't as, you know, detailed as it is mm-hmm. now. And she went from 225 pounds to 69 pounds in six months and she was all bones and i took her to swim with the dolphins and um how did you even so i know like you had all this rage with her but you were still in contact with her during your using and recovery and all this stuff mm-hmm. <clears throat> what did what did like your sponsor say about that like do you think that it was like unhealthy or it's, it's your mom you might as well just keep having a relationship with them of my relapses were because I went to see my mom. Hmm. And no matter what she wanted me to do to get that next one, I did it. Because when she was high, she was nice. When she was high, she loved me. Mm -hmm. So I kept her high, you know. 
And um, like I heard that saying like some addicts need to die so others could live. And I always thought that's fucked up because no addict need die. You know what I mean? But like I think about it now and I'm like, you know, my my brother said something to me the other day. He's like, I think if she was alive today, we'd all be best friends. And I'm like, because he has like this delusional sense of who she was because mm-hmm. he doesn't, you know, he just <laughs> And I'm like, I told him, I said, I think if she was alive today, I'd still be smoking crack. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and because my recovery really started. When she died. When she died. You know, even though I relapsed after the fact, like I stayed clean after she died. Mm-hmm. And so when my grandma passed, she was already dead. I was the only relative that my grandparents interacted mm-hmm. with. And... They left me a very large inheritance. And I blew it all clean. Traveled the world. Bought a new smile. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Bought other things. I did help my brother, one of them. And now the young one is going through hell and there's nothing I can do to help him. And um, I struggled with not having certain things, you know. Now, like, not now, but like, I couldn't pay to get my nails done and I couldn't. And today, well, now my Mm -hmm. nails are in my budget. I'm just (laughs) going to say that. I've had the same job for 17 years, high and not high. I am an optician. Mm -hmm. I do people's vision. So, listen, how I kept my job when I was using, just Mm mind-blowing to me. And I love my job. I'm happy there. I love what I do. You know, today, I I don't want for anything. You know, I have everything I need. I have a roof over my head. I have a great marriage now. I have my daughter back in my life, you know. When did you get your daughter back? I didn't get her back. I found her when she was 14. Oh, she, she was already grown. No, she was 14. Mm-hmm. She had been adopted, which killed me. I hated it. I was so angry. She got adopted by two correctional officers at that. So... They didn't know that I had found her for a minute, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, at the time I had all that money. So the guilt, you know, let me buy my kid anything and everything she wants. Mm -hmm. And um, we struggled and I she lived with me for a little bit. For like a year. And like we didn't talk. She would stay in her room like she hated me. I didn't really like her. I threw her out, and um, I was one of those sponsors that would move my sponsees into my house so I could fix them, you know, from home. And um, and when that fell out, you know, my daughter was furious. She was furious. And um, I recently went on the – I've been reaching out to her like, yo, mm-hmm. I'm really sorry. Like, And she's like, listen, I know who you are. You have a shitty character, and – you're just going to be who the fuck you are, so I just prefer you not in my life. And I was like, bro, first of all, you don't know who I am because one, I didn't get, I didn't allow you to, and two, I didn't try to get to know you. Mm -hmm. And the point that changed my inner change was she said, oh, because I'm not an addict and I've never been raped, you can't spend time to hear my story. Mm. So she has a resentment with, like, sponsees, mm-hmm. NA, like, the whole thing. Yeah. 
and we went on a spiritual retreat for women. And they had this forgiveness circle, right? And all these, like, they would say what they want to forgive themselves for and, you know. And my daughter was the last one to stand up, and I thought it was really odd. I'm like, oh, man. And she says, I want to forgive myself for harboring so much anger and hatred for people who I really love. And she was like, I forgive you, Mom. And uh, we've been like this ever since. I was with her last night. Mm -hmm. And um, it's like everything changed, you know. It's been hard. It's been tough. Um, You know, and people ask me to speak. And I don't. I don't like to speak about the past because it's like I don't live there anymore. You know what I mean? And it's more about what I do to stay here than how I got here. But the newcomers nowadays, they don't want to hear your recovery. They want to hear the shit, you know? Yeah, it's like when you're getting clean, you almost can't even respect or hear somebody's suggestion unless you're like uh, approved in their mind as like, okay, you you have my attention now with your using. But I feel like when I keep addressing those issues, that angry person mm-hmm. comes back out, that shield goes up. Mm-hmm. And then like, what's the point? You know, recovery is about change and growth. And like, I stepped away for like six months. And like, I'm like, I'm never going back. I told my sponsor, I don't need a sponsor. Just <laughs> be my fam. She was like, yeah, okay. And uh, I knew it was time to go back when I started questioning myself about being an addict, Mm. like on a deep level, I was like, is ayahuasca really a relapse? If it's (laughs) spiritual intent, you know, like I'm questioning. I'm like, I believe I could have a glass of wine. And like, I proved my theory wrong. Last night I I went to my brother's birthday Mm -hmm. and my daughter's drinking, he's drinking. And I'm like, I started asking, like, what are you drinking? And she's like, cranberry and vodka. And I'm like, I said, I bet you I could do that. And she looked at me, and I was like, no. And, you know, our literature talks about control is lost the moment. that it's just it, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, no, I'm definitely an addict seeking recovery. And so that's what I do, and that's who I am. And, like, there's people I respect so much. You being one of them, you know, you're like that fucking true story of like redemption. And um, and I'm doing my best a day at a time. And I'm sure there's things I'm going to fucking because I know I'm very kind and I'm like, mm-hmm. OK, now I'm reaching out to people. But every once in a while, you know, mm-hmm. that 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 comes out and like I don't want to unleash that dragon being angry and being vengeful and being like just horrible to people Mm -hmm. is actually more of a concern for me than the addict coming out because that will lead to Mm -hmm. being an addict, you know, and it's just what I do. You know, I would have never done this for anybody else. I know. I know. And you know what? It's it's so <laughs> like I, I love doing the podcast because there's so many people I've had on the show where I've heard them speak a million times. I've gone out to eat with them a thousand times. <laughs> We've gone to retreats together. We talk all the time and they'll come on the podcast. And I'm like, dude, I had no idea. And like, this is like definitely one of those situations where like, I just honestly had like, I knew you had a 
crazy story because <laughs> you're crazy. <laughs> and um, I just that's, didn't. That's why we're connected. Yeah, that's why we're connected. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, a lot of people see me now and um, they don't realize like how crazy I was when I first got clean. And I think that I think I was mature enough that I didn't that even if I wanted to do more research and go out and keep using, I knew that I had used enough to know that I was an addict. And if you know you're an addict, there's nothing else you can really do to prove that more, you know? And um, I don't know, as much as I wanted to use, like I would hear people's story and I would just be like, damn, you know, like they, it would really affect me. And then you stay clean long enough, you kind of get everything you ever wanted anyways. Well, nowadays, like when... When I was in and out, everybody was like, keep coming back. Mm-hmm. Like, it was it was not okay, but it was more acceptable because mm-hmm. we weren't dying. Yeah, without the fentanyl. You know, and fentanyl, I mean, those drugs that would even be in there, I was like, well, I wouldn't have to worry about that because that wasn't my thing. Did mm-hmm. it, didn't like it. You know, I wanted to be up, awake. <laughs> and, um, and now they're putting it in weed. They're putting these kids Drug. are just dying. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, listen, I'm Gen X, right? Like, we did all the real drugs. Mm-hmm. So whatever you're looking for out there will kill you, you know? And that's why I, I think about them. I'm like, there's nothing out there that I would even be interested in, mm-hmm. and it's not worth it. And, um, you know, there's certain things in meetings. Like, I know it's horrible, but when a newcomer says sober, it really fucking <laughs> irks me. Because, you know, this even though it's... Can, can I talk about what program mm-hmm. I'm in? Okay. Even though it's Narcotics Anonymous, it has nothing to do with the fucking drugs. Mm-hmm. It's the disease of addiction because, listen, the drug's been gone a while. I was 210 pounds two years ago. I'm five, two and a half. It was not cute. And um, I couldn't lose the weight and I couldn't lose the weight. And like I said, I believe there's a lesson in everything. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why can't I lose weight? Like, this is ridiculous. And I know part of it was a hormonal thing. I had a hysterectomy, but I used to judge fat people because my mm-hmm. mom had gotten fat, you know what I mean? And um, and then I was. And, and I'm like, when I stopped judging people, I started losing weight. And I really believe mm-hmm. it was like a lesson in humility. And, you know, like I, I do a lot of like soul searching and like, historical hysterical if it makes me hysterically crazy sad angry it's historical let's take a look at what pinpoint in my life caused me to feel this way Mm -hmm. when something happens and like that was a game changer for me because now when i'm angry i'm like what am i really fucking angry at Mm -hmm. my Am I angry because my husband leaves his fucking shoes under the coffee table after I ask him? (laughs) No, I'm angry because I don't control the situation and I can't control him, you know, which was hard for me. I'm like, what do you mean you're not going to do what I say? You know, my husband's like, you do not scare me. I'm just going to let you know that. (laughs) He's like, I can't be afraid of somebody who has to climb on the counters to reach something. (laughs) He's like, you don't intimidate me. And I'll say something sometimes. And my husband's like, don't speak to me that way. I've never had a man like tell me. Normally they say something worse. Yeah, or... he won't argue. 
Yeah. I like to push men. Like, hey, what does this one do? What does this <laughs> one do? I've gotten him angry like maybe once or twice the entire time I've known him. Mm-hmm. Only once did he get to a point where he actually like, raised his voice because I said something along the lines of fuck you. Mm-hmm. And my, my husband's like, don't curse when you talk to me. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know? And he got angry, and I said to him, I was like, there you are, convict. I was Mm. like, you're so sexy. Mm -hmm. He's like, you are very, very, very sick. (laughs) And I'm like, I know. But, like, I've learned so much. I'm happy. I'm grateful. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm very cautious about who I let in my space, though. Like, there are some people I don't hug. I don't want that energy around me. I don't want to absorb your shit, you know. Um, I'm just happy. Well, I love you, and I appreciate you so much for doing the podcast. Thank I know you. this is not what you want to do on your Sunday morning. Oh, I don't care about that. I just, you know, um, I was just nervous because mm-hmm. you always think, like, you have a powerful message, and then you hear yourself, and I'm like, this is kind of redundant and stupid. You know, somebody's going to say it wasn't a good podcast, mm-hmm. whatever. It was so good. Thanks. People are going to love it. I love you. I love you too. I respect you. Tell your parents I said I hi. I will. I'll tell you so hello. And uh, I'm grateful to be here. So thank, thank you. you. Okay. Namaste. Namaste. <laughs> Namaste.